<laughs> okay, I think it is. I can hear myself echo, so I'm going to assume it's on. Good morning. So, uh, it's been a while since I've been up here last, about eight months, and a lot has happened in that eight months. I'm sure you're all probably tired to death of hearing people uh, say things like, oh, I have so much free time now, and oh, I've gotten to do so much, so many things with all this free time I have. Well, um, I, I have, I'm sure, like most of you, um, started reading some books. One book that I've enjoyed uh, with this free time is a book called uh, Crazy Love by Francis Chan. Um, it's a great book. I really enjoyed it. It, um, it focuses on our relationship with God and God's crazy love for us um, and how, how we are to interact with uh, God. And so the, Francis uses this great analogy in the book that I sort of pilfered and, and modified to fit uh, my purposes this morning. So um, let's start with this. Picture in Peterborough, uh, there's going to be the next big blockbuster. I know it's hard to believe in Peterborough, but the next top grossing movie ever made takes all the boxes. You know, you get Angelina Jolie and Tom Cruise and James Cameron's directing it. And this one's going to hit gonna, all the money, bre break every record. <coughs> and so they're, look they're looking for extras for the movie. And so they're holding auditions, and the one person that gets picked to be the extra, Graham Mackey. And so <laughs> the final cut of the movie comes out, it's in theaters, and for about less than half a second, you see the back of Graham's head. And so Graham's walking around telling everybody that this movie's about him. It's his movie, and Graham rents out a movie theater, invites everyone to come see Graham's movie. I'm sure we all, all think that sounds ridiculous. I can see the Mackies at the back talking. That sounds like something Graham would actually do. <laughs> but it's all starting to sound pretty ridiculous to us. But it's something we all do, right? We, tend to, we look at the Bible and it's like, oh, this is about me, right? We, our lives are all centered and focused about us, right? Well, we look at Scripture and all of Scripture points to one person and I can... I heard Mel melt it already. It, fo it focuses on Jesus. <coughs> and so all of Scripture either points to, is spoken by, or is written about Jesus. And so today I'm going to approach a story that I don't think many people have approached it this way before. So I imagine everyone in this room has heard of the story of David and Goliath. Um, so I'm going to take hopefully not a new angle to to the rest of you, but to me, it was, I, I hadn't heard it taken this way before, so I'm excited to share this. Uh, so we're going to start with the passage today. Uh, we're going to, it's 1 Samuel 17, and we're going to be reading 1 through 11 for this first part here. I'm reading from the ESV, which is not the typical one that Auburn uses, but I like it. <clears throat> now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. And they were gathered at Skoh, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Skoh and Ezekah in the Ephesdamon. <laughs> and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered 
were gathered up and encamped in the valley of Elia and drew up in line of the battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with the valley between them. And there came out of the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. His, he had a helmet of bronze on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze swung between his shoulders. The shaft of the spear was like a weaver's beam and the spear had weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his spear bearer went before him and stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be servants. Of, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, "I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together." When Saul and all Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. <clears throat> so we have the situation, and I'm going to paint a picture of the geography because I found it really interesting when I looked at the map. I just couldn't find a, a map that was great to throw up on a slide. So we have essentially Philistine, which is modern-day Palestine, and the, all the towns, the major cities in there, and then you see this river that comes in to all the major cities that were outlined. In, what are they? Like all the major cities that are outlined in the first part of the chapter. And then you have this valley. So for those of you who don't know what a valley is, two rock faces, and then in this one there happens to be a river that runs through the center of it. So the Philistine has already come into Israel and taken a whole bunch of Israel land. They're about 20 miles back into Israel. So Saul and Israel is already fighting a losing battle at this point in time. <clears throat> and as we see, it doesn't get any better for them. So we have this, this losing battle that they're fighting, and then all of a sudden this mountain of a man comes out. Now, I don't know about you guys, this shekels and spans and cubits and whatnot is all Hebrew to me. So uh, people much smarter than I have converted it into units that we can actually understand. So six cubits in a span... Uh, is nine feet, nine inches. So that's how tall Goliath was. It's like if we took Noah, who's sitting at the back looking at his phone, and put <laughs> Lily and Josie on top of him. For reference, he's too tall to stand in one of our modern houses. He would have to slouch, because they're usually about eight feet to, eight, uh, to nine feet tall. So this is a huge man. And then we get <coughs> a picture of what he's wearing. Now, uh, so shekels is weird because it's also a, a currency, but the rough calculation is that his mail that he was wearing just on his chest was 125 pounds. And the head of his spear was 15 pounds. 
So that's about the same size as a shell that you fire out of a tank. So this man was huge. Just looking at him, it had the Israelites terrified already. And then he does, he goes and opens his mouth. <laughs> and you see, you see him just, sh well, his shield, his spear bearer taunt Israel. And then Goliath says, I defy the nation of Israel. I'd like to think there's probably a little bit more to what he's saying than just that. Because Saul and everyone, they're just, they're shaking in their boots. They're trying to think how they can get out of fighting him. Um, they just, every, every time Goliath steps on the battlefield, they turn tail and run. <clears throat> they, they saw Goliath as, as their end. That's it. That's game over. We're, we're done here. <coughs> and, and the worst part for the people of Israel is Saul, the man they've placed their faith in, their king, the person who's supposed to lead them, he's, he's, he's given up at this point. He doesn't know what to do. I'm sure you guys can imagine what it's like when you, you have your, your fearless leader and they just, uh, well, they don't meet your expectations and they're fearful, the, the fearful leader, but not in a good way. <laughs> Goliath didn't even have to do anything and that's it. They're done. 40 days, 40 nights, just Goliath comes out, they run away. Some of you here may be sitting wondering, it's a great sermon on Goliath. Never heard one on him, tons on David, never on Goliath. So the reason why I'm, I'm talking about Goliath and giving these descriptors and talking with my hands, and he's much taller than I can reach, is I want you to understand the people of Israel in this situation how terrified they were of this mountain and how distraught they were at the fact this leader who they wanted has been, well, has let them down. They, ha they have no hope at this point in time. They're, they're waiting for their inevitable death to come. And I want you to see these people, a little bit of these people of Israel in yourselves. So I, I want to I camp out on, on this part for a while. So when you, when you leave here, you take off your mask, you get your breath of fresh air. I'm just dragging this out because I don't want to put my mask back on. <laughs> but when you take your breath of fresh air, this story of David and Goliath, it's not really about you at all. Right? Some of you may be thinking, of course it's not about me. I'm not David. I'm not Goliath. I'm not the Israelites. Why would it be about me? Well, it, it's, it's common course uh, for people it, where I am right now <coughs> to be like, oh, be like David. With faith, you can defeat your giants, whether it's anxiety, depression, whatnot. And that, that's all good and kind, and I, it's something to agree with, but there's more to the story than just be like David. So I'm sure some of you have heard of the concept of types or archetypes, or there's a term that I want to introduce here called typology. And so typology is a term that is defined as the study and interpretations of types and symbols, especially in the Bible. And so that's what this story is here. Just like the story of Abraham and Isaac, 
David and Goliath is a type for Jesus. Jesus, in fact, is the greater David. So if, you, if we look at it this way, what's a bigger giant, a more oppressive force, something more terrifying in the lives of man than sin and death? And Jesus defeated sin and death. And he did this for us. Just like the people of Israel, a people living in fear, who are incapable of saving themselves. So now we're going to read a short section of this chapter here. Uh, just verse 33. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight him, for you are but a youth, and he, is, and he has been a man of war from his youth. David, one of the most unlikely people to take down this giant, a little shepherd boy, about 12-year-old versus this mountain that I have outlined. He, he did it. He took him down. And not with the most advanced military tactics or, you know, a sword, shield, a spear, a chariot, but he took them down with the common tours of a tools of a shepherd, a staff, and a sling. <clears throat> then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried to go in vain, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five small, smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's pouch, his sling in his hand, and approached the Philistine. Just as you see Jesus, a man who the scriptures have defined as there's nothing physically remarkable about him. You could have passed him in a crowd of people not knowing it was him. He wasn't physically beautiful or huge macho man or anything like that. Just as it describes him, we also see this unremarkableness about David. And just as David defeated Goliath with these unremarkable tools, these, these tools that you wouldn't see on a, on a battlefield, Jesus defeated sin and death with a symbol of sin and death, the cross, because that's what the cross was. It was the most gruesome way to die, but now it's a symbol we have in our churches and we wear around our necks as a symbol of life and a symbol of forgiveness. So, just two final quick points here in conclusion. Uh, firstly, it's not about you, it's not about me. Not just the story of David or the Bible, but life. It's about God. It's about Jesus. One of the worst sins that we do as humankind, humanity, mankind, is that we make ourselves into gods. We focus firstly on ourselves and forget about the one who matters the most. 
the main character of the story of, of life is Jesus. And it always works out for his glory. So take this to heart. If you're seeking first after God and his glory, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what is before you. Whether it's a huge global pandemic, it's a sermon in 2020, have to mention it. Or you're nervous to get up in front of a group of people and, and talk. Everything will ultimately work out for God's glory. And secondly, probably the most important part, <laughs> I'm going to end it with this. Just as David defeated the giant and beheaded him, Christ has beheaded sin and death.